Welcome. Hey. Great to see you. What we don't have on right now is our red lights. Oh, we should get a little red lights. Well, I mean, a little late now. But I like the aesthetic. Right. You know, it's okay. Guys, don't, don't. We're, we're good. You know, it's just, it feels a little naked. Let, let me do it. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> I'm kidding. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Self-Evident Podcast. You got Massey. You have Mike turning on lights. <laughs> we're here coming to you live from Hope Tower. Hope Tower! And we will admit, sponsored by Prescription Hope. Well, they help. Man, they love us. And... And furthermore, we got a lot of other people that are helping sponsors. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. We got a lot to talk about uh, this morning as far as what is going on nationally. Uh, How do we fight the fight of faith? What do we got to do? And today's topic is very simple. It is not over. It's not even close to being over. I don't even think we're there. But how can we call on the God of heaven that fought for the people of the Bible, like in Hebrews 11 or our founders, if we're not willing to put in the spiritual sacrifice that they did to attain those promises, those answered prayers. So that's what we're talking about today, guys. Go ahead and subscribe. If you're on YouTube, we're live on Rumble now, which is Here we go. We were supposed to be live on Instagram, but <laughs> technology. Anywho, technology uh, we, also, we also have other th- we We've got um, the stuff and the things and the pieces. The, come on, man. We Grab got, one. We have this uh, merch. Grab one. Get one. And, and, and I will say to all of you who have purchased merch, we rarely get it wrong when we send something to you. So, go- <laughs> <laughs> so we have a fulfillment center that, you know, anyway. We, we haven't hit Amazon <laughs> levels of efficiency yet. <laughs> We're on our way. So, guys, thank you so much for ordering. Thank you so much for for, for, for sponsoring. I mean, again, I just all the feedback we're getting, especially from the last tour, is amazing. And uh, we're here to 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 bring truth to power. You know, that's what we're doing. Bringing truth to power is so important for us. We don't believe in just talking messages and bashing Democrats and, you know, all that other stuff. I think that's easy to do. That's low-hanging fruit. It's about directional ministry and discipleship. And so we're doing that today. And, you know, I don't know if you guys like the long podcasts. We love them, you know. And if you don't like it, turn it off. I don't care. No, turn it off when you're done. Yeah. And then go back and rewatch the parts that you didn't watch. I don't know which camera. Oh, it's in the middle. <laughs> you know what there's, I mean? There's a term in hockey for this. It's called Bush League. So it's a... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jerk face. All three hockey fans got that. Yeah, well, I don't really care any, about any, anybody who's not so, a hockey so, fan. So, guys, go ahead. Share this video. Share it out with your, share, um, that with your friends. Do it. Let's get into it, Mike. This is brutal. All right. I'm it's so it's odd. I feel weird this morning. Yeah. Me too. It it we're gonna click in. We're gonna get there. We are. So do we have the timer? We got the timer. All right. Three, two, one, go. First up, CMT goes woke. Whoa! 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 Jason Aldean has come out with a new hit single, All Black People Are Bet. Sorry. Uh, Try that in a small town. 
Have you, you know, heard about this? Yeah. I mean, according to the views I watched so religiously, um, <laughs> it is one of the most r- r- racist songs ever. I mean, it even went down to when they were talking about like how bad their lives were. Wow. I mean, yeah, they're all traumatized I, by I this I am right so now. glad that uh, Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar can lead this nation into the light. I I deeply... Nice. <laughs> nice. You got a little on your chin, too. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> mistakes. So, yeah, well, thank God that Joy Behar is our moral compass. She is. She, uh, she is know, fighting the good guys, fight. Guys, thank Joy Behar. Yes, thank Joy. you. We got, we got to give it up for her. We, she we, is the moral compass of our society. She is the... She is the uh, model quintessential citizen Thank you. of Russia. And I just, you know, the, 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 in the Soviet Russia, we love Joy Behar. Yeah. I mean, you can't get any more crazy than that. <laughs> it's pretty wild. No, Whoopi's it's pretty just wild. as bad. I yeah. mean, these guys are crazy, dude. And everybody obviously, has decided that Jason Aldean is now a absolute racist for coming out with a song. I, I've even got some lyrics for us to let you know how horrible this song is. The lyrics go, and I'm not singing it for you. Sucker punch somebody on a sidewalk. Carjack an old lady at a red light. Pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store. You think it's cool? Well, act a fool if you like. Cuss out a cop, spit in his face. Stomp <laughs> on the flag and light it up. Yeah, you think you're tough. Well, try that in a small town. See how far you make it down the road. Around here, we take care of our own. You cross that line, it won't take long for you to find out. I recommend you don't try that in a small town. Sounds racist to me. Totally racist. You know what's great? You just proved how racist you are by assuming that song must be about black people, which proves you believe it actually happens in predominantly black areas by predominantly black people. Yeah. Racist. All right. Number two, the Biden Department of Defense. They recently came out with a memo that this guy is going to protect you. Memo details care of our service members who identify as transgender. Uh, 34 pages of special perks, carve outs, funding and privileges handed to anybody who identifies as transgender. Put that picture back up. That's just I feel safer. Mass, don't you feel safer with him at the helm? Her? Him, her. It looks like my third grade teacher. It. <laughs> like, I'm not even joking. It looks so much like my third grade wow. teacher. So, so you, the taxpayer, are going to be funding the bill for speech voice therapy, cross-sex hormones, laser hair removal, voice feminization surgery, facial contouring, body contouring, breast chest surgery, genital mutilation surgery, and, of course, psychological counseling. China is scared. China. China. You know what? You know, I feel safe under the protection of that guy. Not somebody like this. I I don't feel safe with him at the helm. I feel threatened. Um he, Navy SEAL commander 20 years. I just I'm not safe. So I'd rather have I just don't miss know. Mr. Yes. America's military. All right, number three, whistleblower writes out his will. IRS agent with an impeccable record who is also gay and a Democrat, mind you, that matters because you cannot sling mud at him, say, well, he's a Republican Trumper that's just coming out against Biden. 
He wrote out a 99-page memo laying out the case for felony charges against Hunter Biden. And he is claiming he was absolutely hamstrung in taking the case up the route, up the ladder, which is kind of proof because Uh after what, two and a half years, three years of investigation, Hunter Biden gets a slap on the wrist for some tax evasion. Yeah. What would happen to you in that position? Now, mind you. Depends if you're white and conservative. Well, yes. If that's the case, you'll rot in solitary confinement for Truth. a while. And there is Which evidence. I'm in favor of. Yeah, of course. Crush the opposition. All right, I'm finished real quick. There is evidence that $17 million were funneled to Hunter Biden from authoritarian nations. So let me ask you a simple, easy question. Do you believe that Hunter Biden is worth $17 million from various authoritarian nations? Do you believe he is a capable businessman with years of experience who can go to other nations and get money for business ventures and investments? Let me ask you, how much do you really think he knows about oil and gas? Hmm. Well, judging by our economy, (laughs) he very well could be in charge of it. All right. There we go. Boom. Anything to add, Mass? I got nothing. I I just I look at current events like so stupid because our focus is truly being taken off of things that absolutely matter. You know what I mean? So like, you you know where I stand on these things. I just listen to some of these stories and uh, like this whole CMT thing or, uh, you know, this whole Jason Aldean thing is like so um, it's kind of overdone. Like when you hear a Democrat talk now, it's almost like this is just overdone. You guys are you are you all sick of this now? Like you keep promoting these narratives that make absolutely no sense. But your 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 viewership is down because y'all are you just sound like broken records. Everything is racism. Everything is anti-America. Everything is division against your neighbor. All these other things. It's like, dude, this gets old so fast. You know what I mean? And like, I'm hearing, uh, you know, we all know Biden's a, a a paper champion. You know what I mean? He's just he's not he's not even the. I can't even consider him presidential because he can't even prop himself up to even say a cohesive sentence. But also, too, like you look at America as a whole, and this is actually leading into our topic. Do we have a sponsor this week? Uh, not this week, no. But we will soon. Uh-huh. We got some good ones going up. Guys, thank you for sponsoring our podcast. It really does mean the world to us, but it also means uh, money. You know, <laughs> it just helps us. <laughs> Anyways, so it's leading more into segue. America is at this really cool, pivotal moment. Now, I'm not going to be like everybody else and says America's at a crossroads. If we don't do something now, it's all going to be over. Uh, this is a cataclysmic point in America. This election is the most important election in America. We've heard that for, what, 20 years now? This yeah. election is the most important election in America. If we don't elect right, oh, my gosh, the whole country is going to go to hell in a handbasket. Jesus is coming back, blah, blah, blah. And every four years, actually every two years, there's some kind of fear promoted. If we don't do this, this is what's going to happen, right? But then I, I travel a lot. I love to travel. I like going out into the into the um, into the public and, and going out and speaking. You do, I'm sure you do, uh, and and talking to people about what's important, what's what's important to them, right? And the bottom line is, most people just want to know how to fight. They want to know how to fight, how they're going to overcome, how they're going to win, what are they going to do to win this battle? When I go out and speak, I talk a lot about how God influenced 
our founders, our preachers in the pulpits, especially over the last four or five weeks, I've been really talking about how much the preachers and the, po- the pastors influenced the revolution. And then when we go preach these sermons, forgive me, but just hear me out. I get a lot of the, yeah, you're right, church, stand up. Yes, you know, this is what we got to do. And, you know, oh my gosh, yeah, God is at the throne. And, you know, and I, and I love that. I love when people get excited, right? But the whole premise of these talks is to tell you, we cannot depend on the God of heaven that fought for them if we're not willing to cry out almost in the same way they did. I'm not talking about works. I'm talking about how many of us are willing to put ourselves under for the things of God? How many of us are willing to like submit ourselves, humble ourselves to pray and to fast and to seek God for America? And so uh, when Mike and I were talking about this, um, what do you call it? This, this podcast, this topic, we were talking about what's it going to take, Mike, to change the nation? You and I had this long discussion about it yesterday. Like, what's it going to take? What's it going to take? And I think all of us have a plan. I think God endowed a lot of us that are in the fight with a plan that that might work, right? That'll five steps to change America this way, five things to do here, uh, how to reform Congress and Senate, convention of states. You know, the, there's all these different ideas that float around, which I obviously think, yes, they were written for a reason. But then I go back to the first prayer uh, in, in, in Congress, right, in 1774, when Duche came out and prayed, and it was said that it was a, like a like a two-hour thing, like where they prayed uh, incessantly, and then they, they, they read Psalm 35, and, and John Adams wrote about it. Uh, and 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 I'm looking at it going, dang, you know, what stops us from doing what they did? Because there was there was a stretch amount of time that all these days of prayer and fasting and proclamations were given for the God of heaven. And if you read some of these ones, like I think it was Livingston proposed a day of prayer and fasting, and Washington had it read to his troops, and it was in 1776. And basically he was saying that we would repent of our manifold sins and transgressions and that God would have mercy on us. Then it's like, we're, I think we're all willing to fight for America in some capacity, and I think that's important. Not all of us will be the ones on the front lines. Some of us will be support. Some of us will be these things. But then are we willing to go farther than that and say, I don't have a plan, Lord. My plan is useless without you. My plan is useless without the Holy Spirit. My plan is useless without uh, uh, the things of God. My plan is useless without the Bible. My plan is useless without me crucifying myself a death before a resurrection. This country is not over. I'm sorry. And, and the reason I say that is because we're all still breathing. We're here. We're, we're still America. We're, we still have a nation. Now, I'm not fighting for America. I'm fighting for liberty, which resides in the documents of America. That's what I'm fighting for. I'm fighting for liberty. Because if you notice, even our ministry, right, that we've said this 100 times, look at all of our shirts. Not all of them have this blue, white, red, you know, red, white, and blue theme and stars and stripes. It's because it's not about that to me, in a sense. It is in the long run. But what I'm fighting for is the principles of America, the principles of liberty, the principles and the doctrines of free speech, uh, of, of freedom of religion, of, of the press, and why those things were so important to the founders, the, the right to defend ourselves against a government that goes corrupt, which it's happening now. And then the left calls you crazy for even, you honestly think the government would come against you? And even if they did, do you think you can stop them? Say that to the founders who went up against the superpower and won because of the Lord's providence. Yeah, I think governments can go corrupt. Yeah, I think governments go bonkers. Yeah, it's happening all over the world now. Yes, 
These things happen. Yes, that's why we have a second amendment. Yes, that's why God gave us the right to protect ourselves. Yes, that's why I'm the priest in my house. Yes, that's why he gave me a nation to defend. He entrusted us with this nation. We have a duty to do to protect our children, our kids, and make sure the safeguards are in place for, our, for, the, for the future of our sons and daughters. So that they would have a nation that we didn't have, not in the negative, in the positive. That's why we're doing the show. It's, it's really about, are we willing to go deep enough to fast and pray? And really call on the God of heaven. You weren't paying attention, were you? I have. I was waiting for you to wind it back into the map. But. That's I was passing it to you. <laughs> I was on a roll, man. <laughs> so weird segue, but bring that all back to, I know we talked about the Great Awakening before, right? And you may be going, okay, Great Awakening, what about it? One of the reasons that we want to draw this, this comparison to the Great Awakening is what was going on right before it. And a lot of times what we see going on today is, oh, there's all this wickedness. There's all this sin. It's, it's a dead church. You know, how many shots get fired at the church for the position that it's in? And then you see what happened with the Great Awakening. So at that point, right before it happened, government and church were very intertwined, right? There was this establishment structure of the government and the church, right? The, the, it was your status level to be a part of the church. It was not very much personal relationship with Christ. It was, are you a part of the church? Do you follow what the church tells you to do? And, and it gets involved in the civilization side of things uh, through the government and legalism and the structure, all of that. So during the Great Awakening, there was this split that happened, this perspective split. So you had the old light and the new light. So the old light, they're like, we got to stick with the church. This weird stuff that's going on right now, we're not going to pay attention to that. Don't do that. That's emotionalism stick with the establishment and the order and the stability of the church stability the new lights were the ones saying no there's something more personal about this we've we've got to reinvigorate our faith and we're saying maybe we need to actually separate out from this whole establishment church thing and so they started starting independent churches now these little fires of revival started happening all across the colonies. So it wasn't in one spot and all of it blew outwards, right? Jonathan Edwards was one of those guys, but he wasn't the only one. You you had many pastors and preachers from the pulpits going there's something going on right now. It's and one of the major tenets of that was personal relationship with Christ. So in your personal relationship with Christ, all of a sudden you are responsible for that relationship. Now, people say, uh, it's not me who saves me. Christ saves me. Absolutely. But at the end, of, like we've talked about plenty of times, at the end of the day, you are responsible for your faith in the sense that you make a choice whether or not to seek the Lord. You make a choice whether or not to follow the, the disciplines, the, the behaviors, the lifestyle of a Christian to go deeper and get more intimate. Before the movement of intimacy and relationship with Christ, it was, well, I'm a part of the church, so I'm okay. I'm saved. When the Great Awakening hit, it was, oh, now I have to have an intimate relationship with the Lord as myself to get involved in this. And so that Great Awakening actually moved forward the revolution. 
Now, we always think of Declaration of Independence. That started the revolution. Then the war was fought. John Adams said, but what do we mean by the American Revolution? Do we mean the American War? The revolution was effected before the war commenced. The revolution was in the minds and hearts of the people, a change in their religious sentiments of their duties and obligations. This radical change in the principles, opinions, sentiments, and affections of the people was the real American revolution. Did you hear that? Did you notice how he's talking about the change in the religious sentiments, the Great Awakening? So what happened was people's hearts and minds started to become changed because it was more individual. They were coming alive with the Holy Spirit. They were realizing they had to take charge of their faith and their relationship with the Lord and grow that. And that helped change the national identity. When you change the national identity and, and the cohesiveness of the people towards this, you in you automatically got, well, wait a second. We're being oppressed. Wait a second. Our equality as men is being pushed down. There's something wrong here. Whereas before that, it was very much a authoritarian, you submit no matter what structure, not all men are equal, and you just have to accept that. Today, we seem to have accepted a lot of this thought process. Yeah, well, it's just the way it is. This is how the government treats us. That's what's going to happen. This is the way the culture goes. If you want to change the culture, you have to begin with yourself. And we've had a lot of conversations about this of how do you consecrate yourself? What do you do if you want to change the fight? And it really is this, you've got to make your bed first before you can go out and change the world. And I think too many people are looking at the problems in the world going, well, we've got to change all this at the global level. What are you doing in your own life to consecrate yourself, to prepare yourself? Because that great awakening was a personal consecration, a personal change in a lot of people. And so for you, I'm really asking you today, <clears throat> take an accounting. Figure out what are you doing to consecrate yourself and move this movement forward. I think, too, with the with the personal revivals and the, the revivals that were happening, you ever notice in Scripture uh, when it came to Exodus, when it comes to like maybe Jeremiah, when it comes to like uh, um, times where you saw the children of Israel who were enslaved or, or something like that, where they were put in some kind of exile um, or or in America's case, when we started to really see the fires of, of, of prayer and fasting. Do you ever notice that's when liberty was birthed in the Egyptians or in the Israelites from, when they were in Egypt? Is when they started to pray and say, okay, Lord, save us, deliver us from the suppressor. They didn't know what that was. Listen to what they're saying. Save us from the bad guy who's hurting us right now. It wasn't even about liberty. Just tell him to stop, right? Mm -hmm. So then God sends the plagues against Pharaoh, right? But then out of that, because Pharaoh wasn't God and kept defying God, God's like, fine, I'm going to take you out of here. I'm going to give you your own land, right? And it's like God will always give us a liberty when we cry out to him. Do you ever notice that whenever you get into prayer and you're really in prayer, you want to be free from the bondage of spiritual wickedness, attack. You want to be free from any kind of demonic oppression. You want to be free and delivered from uh, fear, uh, whatever it is that, that holds you from God. And I'm thinking about all the times in the, in the, in the revolutionary times and I didn't do a deep, deep study yet, but I studied some of the preachers of the time and like what they were doing at that time when they were when they were preaching about the first great first great awakening and uh, some of the preachers and some of their sermons and their sermons, dude, were no joke. 
You know, I just reread last night Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God by Jonathan Edwards. Just decided to read it. Uh, and and <laughs> let 87 to 90% of it was you deserve death, hell, and punishment. God doesn't owe us anything. And the fact that we've defiled him once proves his order and justice. And that just justly so, we have violated a holy God, and we deserve the punishment of what, we, what we're due. We deserve that. And then all this at the end, but God, through Christ, and this. Even though you who reject him and are still hanging over the balances of hell still says, with my outstretched arm, I love you. I still want you, right? But he put this thing in people like we in our own mind, in our own thinking, in our own fleshly processes, in our own demeanors. I dare say, you know, this this creeps into churches sometimes where, uh, uh, you know, the method becomes more than prayer. The method to get people to to, to salvations and come to our churches and to, to hear the gospel. It becomes more about the method than prayer a lot of the times, right? We come up with a new creative way. We become, you know what I mean? And, and it's not I'm, not, I'm not saying those those external things are bad. It's that we put the focus, emphasis, and in, in, in our, our, we created an idol in a sense. We create that, the idol of our existence, and that the gospel is kind of put on the back seat, and we try to tailor the gospel to the people, and that's not how it's supposed to be. The people need to conform to the gospel of Jesus and his death and resurrection, uh, death, burial, and resurrection. That belief in Christ through the death of Christ and his resurrection proves and, and gives us salvation so that we may have communion with the Father. But if we're not willing to even go there with people, how are they going to have a personal relationship? It becomes a corporate relationship. So we put an emphasis on come to my church instead of come to Christ, right? So now we put a corporate kind of thing in, 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 our, in, 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 our, in our settings, right? And it becomes a part of like what the, what the early states were when they were here. It was all about their denomination. And if you're not a part of our denomination, then get out of our state, right? It wasn't about is he saved or not? Does he have the blood of Jesus or not? Is he walking in freedom or not? It was about their denominations. And then the great awakening happens. And then it begins to change their sentiments. And then it becomes external, not internal. It becomes where I want to be a part of Christ, not a part of a church. I'm in the church because it's his body, but I'm focused on him first who leads me to help the body, to, to edify it, right? Like it says in Ephesians with the giftings. That, that the gifts edify one another and build us up into godliness and unto the perfect man or the, the faithful man of God. So we put an emphasis. So what I'm saying is what we're seeing today is nothing new. And I've talked about this before in, in, in some detail, but that it took an awakening several times in America for us to realize we cannot do this without God. And every single time an awakening happened in America, it literally shifted the nation. Mm -hmm. Morally, spiritually, ethically, governmentally, it changed the country where the government had to recognize there's something going on here and we need to tailor ourselves to that God, to the Christ that they're serving. You know what I'm saying? So there comes a point here too, when you look at the Great Awakening, we're talking about what you just read. Um, I use that quote, and it's just such a great quote about what John Adams said. It was actually written to Hezekiah Niles when he was talking about, hey, you, th you say it was the revolutionary founders that started America. He's like, dude, it was the American pulpit. And it was actually John Adams that said there was there were several preachers that helped at the American Revolution. He talked about uh, Reverend, uh, it was Dr. Samuel Cooper, Charles Chauncey, uh, George Whitfield. Well, we've all mainly heard of George Whitfield. Uh, Jonathan Mayhew, if you haven't read Jonathan Mayhew's sermons, I think he wrote a sermon in 1730 and he preached out of Romans 13. And he basically told his congregation, why are some of you offended that I'm talking about government when it's found in the scriptures, right? Why are you offended that I'm even doing this? This was 30 years, 40 years before we declared independence. 
So he's saying, I have to go against this because the king is oppressive. I've got a job to do, right? And so our preachers began preaching from the pulpits about liberty in Christ and that no man has authority over other men. And it was, uh, who was it? Connecticut, 1638. Hooker. Thomas Hooker, Reverend Thomas Hooker, thank you, uh, preached a sermon that that the authority, the foundation of authority is laid in the free consent of the people. The authority lies in the people. And that they took their constitution from his sermon in 1639. And that that became their constitution in Connecticut. And most people don't even think about that. Like the church was highly the ones who were the, the promulgators, the institutors of government. Here, I even got this. Some secularists will get mad at this, but did you know it was uh, Thomas Jefferson that helped introduce prayer in the Virginia House of Burgesses in 1774. It was these guys, Thomas Jefferson, that did it. We need fasting and prayer. Why? Because they understood that it was God that was going to get us there and that it was the, the spirit of the Lord that did it. It wasn't our ideas or methods. I'm not against ideas and methods. I'm saying if they're not birthed by the spirit, we're going to keep spinning our wheels until God illuminates it, until providence falls on it, just like Benjamin Franklin said before they signed the Constitution. Have we forgotten our powerful friend, he said? He said daily, during the times of declaration, daily we had prayer in our, in our meetings that God heard us and he answered us graciously, he said. And have we forgotten him now? Do we forget our friend? Do, do we forget the God of heaven? And then he says, if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, can an empire rise without his aid? And then he says, I've lived here a long time and the more convincing proofs I see that God governs in the affairs of man, he said. And then he says this, if we do this without the Lord, we shall succeed in this political building no better than the builders of Babel. Something was there where he said, if we don't have the Lord, we're never going to do this, right? The question today becomes, like we talked about from here, that 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 because we're going to the result of this and the great awakening and the revolution, are we willing to do that? And everywhere I went on this trip, dude, Everywhere I went, even in the church, our church or any other church, how many of us have ever prayed and fasted? Just like, but I'm talking about two hours of prayer and fasting for America or our children or our families. Are we willing to go deep enough with the Lord and not just make prayer a passive thing, but a communication with the holy God of the universe, the one who created all this? Are we willing to go there, right? Because the result ends up being, like what we say here, the, 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 the stat, I, I, I'm, I'm getting this right. I pray from 1770 to like 1816, there was over, there's like 1500 government issued days of prayer and fasting. I think that's the stat. And it's like, that's with states included in counties and cities. It's not just the federal government. The very, it was, there's probably another 15 from the government, federal government wise. But you saw where it was like, it took those days of prayer and fasting to acknowledge God. Abraham Lincoln calling for Thanksgiving Day of Prayer, right? And all these other things. And we read those things and we're like, dang, these guys really, through their flaws, knew they were flawed men. General William Livingston, I'm a flawed dude. Washington had it read to his troops that day of fasting and prayer in 1776. Because we knew we had to repent of our sin. It was us. So notice this, heal America, Lord. But he's like, we need to repent and fast and pray. We need to, not not America. They're a representation of the lack of what we have in God. I think oftentimes we put it on the rest of the nation, or if we're Christian, we put it on the church itself. Well, the church needs to buck up. The church needs to get involved. The church needs to do this, or our nation needs to do. We need to bring get back to God. All of that. It starts with you, and. It's time for us to stop pointing the finger at everybody else and say, okay, what do I need to do 
in real time because it's very easy to armchair quarterback this thing. It's very easy <laughs> to sit back. It's <laughs> the last time you use that cup, right? <laughs> it's it's very easy for us to sit back and watch everything Take it going off on me. and say, Jeez, I'm wiping coffee up, <laughs> you guys. So let's keep it on mass. <laughs> you doing twice you guys kept the camera on me seriously anyways ah lee sorry dude <laughs> fix yourselves <laughs> so this this idea of armchair quarterbacking what's going on around the nation it's very easy because it's very easy to get on facebook and just start clicking away at how evil and awful everybody is or to get on youtube and start talking into a camera about how everything's wrong and everything's broken what are you doing yourself to fix the issue bingo and what are you doing in your own life to fix the issue because guess what it takes all of us Fixing ourselves really and consecrating does. ourselves before the Lord. And the, the hard part that people have so often is humbling themselves before the Lord. Be very careful about how subversive pride is. Pride will get in when you least expect it. You need to be defensive against it at all times. What happens is pride will, will perk up in some way or some, somehow and go, well, I... Humility goes before the Lord and says, okay, Lord, cleanse my heart. Lord, consecrate me. Dude. Lord, show me where I'm wrong. Lord, I just want to be yours and follow you. When we start, we, we start humbling ourselves before the Lord. Guess what? Stop pointing the finger at everybody else. Start pointing it at yourself. I need to humble myself before the Lord that's when things will turn around. And so if you want to see this culture change fast, you want to see this nation get back on the right track, it truly does start with you. Dude, yeah. I was talking with Pastor Todd about this. You know, I used to search the scriptures to to, to find some revelation to, I don't know, like, Lord, what do you want me to preach on today? So I'd sit and study the scriptures and all these other things, and I realized how wrong that is. I know that's going to sound weird. How wrong that is. I should be reading the scriptures just to get to know Christ and the Lord, Holy Spirit, God, like their attributes, who they are, the beauty of a splendor, seeking his face, knowing what he wants. Then when I say, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to fix America? I have a burden for America. I have a burden for our children. How do you want me to do that? Through his splendor, his beauty, his character, his knowledge, everything that I am, he'll say, I'm going to divinely breathe on you because you're after my will not your preaching, not your revelation, my will, right? Revelation and preaching is good. I think we need to do that. When God inspires you to say, hey, I need to talk about this. Okay, Lord, show me in scripture how to talk mm -hmm. about it. But admittedly, for, for a while there, I was searching the scriptures to figure out what to preach on. Like, what, what do you want me to drop on them today? Now it's just like, Lord, I just want to know you. I just want to know you, right? In America, I got to get to know him before I know how he wants to change the nation for today. Because these kids today, dude, are so blinded in darkness, especially, uh, <clears throat> and I'm not saying all are, I'm saying there's a lot of them in, that go to school, that go to college, they're being uh, trained up as literally professional uh, so, uh, so, uh, socialists. They're, they're trained up as professional, uh, what do you call it, um, uh, protesters, you know, professional city organizers and community organizers, right? We're training up our young people now to fight for Satan. 
Now, I'll hear it today. You're, you're saying civil rights are satanic? No, I think your civil rights is what you call sin. Transgenderism, gay rights, all these. You just want the freedom to sin. Vice. Yeah, We're fighting you love for vice, vice and ambition. Yeah. That's satanic, right? It's not about your right to exist. Nobody's killing you for being gay. And yes, there are some who kill people for being gay, of course, right? But there are some who kill people because they're Christians. There are some who have killed cops because they're cops. There are some people who have killed people just for being white. There are people who kill people for being black. It's called sin. It's called the devil. It's called demonic. It's called the, 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 the God of this world has blinded their eyes, right? And so what we're proclaiming, what we're fighting for is liberty for us to go do what we're called to do and to do what we ought to do, not what we want to do. And if we're truly doing what we ought to do, we're truly going to fight for the nation that God gave us. And people don't want to see it. You know what I mean? I'm talking about the left. And I am going to go here left and right. There are some on the right who fight um, that they're, they're, they're mediocre. They're, they're the rhino. They're, the, they're that sect of people, which I don't even call them the right. I think they're, if they're center to me, uh, who was it? Dante Alighieri, an old, uh, I think it was like a philosopher poet. He said, the hottest places in hell are reserved for those who in times of great and moral crisis maintain their neutrality. And I completely agree with him. In times of great moral crisis, they remain in neutral. And you know what? The hottest places in hell are for those because they didn't choose a side, because they wouldn't pick a side, because they wouldn't stand on the things that they knew were right and they didn't walk in the light that they were given. No, we wanted a compromise, right? So we can have a better name, so we wouldn't have to have contention. Guys, welcome to Jesus. It is called contention for a reason. You will contend against the flesh because of the gospels. And it'll contend against our flesh to say we need to fast and pray for America. The gospel itself, the Bible tells me daily to deny myself, take up my cross and follow him. If I'm not denying myself, taking up my cross and following him, well, then whose directive am I following? Mine? My directives brought me to the cross that I was a sinner. I don't need my ideas. My ideas will get us nowhere. But divine inspired ideas by God can lead a nation of 2.5 million people where 6% of them fought in the revolution. God's ideas can lead those people to fight up against a superpower and win. And we didn't have an army or a navy. You know what we had? The God of heaven. You know what we had? Some kind of divine providence that would send fog to, to, to go win a battle that would send the French out of nowhere to go pin people against themselves, that God would send a delusion in their camp. Go read First Kings. Go read Jehoshaphat. All of a sudden, it was the Spirit of God that sent a delusion in their camp. They became confused and started fighting amongst themselves. Don't you see that's happening right now with the transgender movement, the gay movement, the feminist movement? They're all coming against each other. They don't even know where to stand anymore, right? We need to keep fasting and praying because God is doing the work we can't do. God is literally saying to them that they're the ones in derision, not us. We have to stay out of derision. We have to stay out of the divisiveness that doesn't belong to us. We have to stay out of the things that are not our fight. God separates sheep and goats. Our job is to preach the gospel and go change this country. Our job is to go proclaim righteousness throughout the land. Leviticus 25.10. That's our job. Our job is to go out there and stand in the streets and proclaim the gospel. Our job is to bring the kingdom of heaven on earth as Jesus taught us to pray. That is our duty as, as, as Americans, as Christians, as patriots, right? And when you're looking at these things, I'm looking at, uh, um, I read the, the map this morning, and I thought what was so well laid out this morning by what you put on yesterday, what's so laid out is this. We make it so daggum complicated on how to do this. 
we can have the five-star plans. We could have the, the, the best ideas. We could have the convention estates. I'm not against anyone's ideas. I'm asking which ones are God's ideas? Which ones are the ones that are like, Lord, which one do you want me to follow? You know which one it is? The one that's impossible. The one that bears fruit. The one that, that, that's not seeking some kind of an approval from man. It's literally seeking the approval of God. You know what plan works every time? Fasting and prayer. And that's God's plan. Then let him birth through the church. I like our church. I love our church. I think uh, I love I love uh, our church in particular because when you have pastors who I, I I think they might be scared sometimes, you know, about like oh, what yeah. what could be said. I'm not saying they're in fear. I'm saying sometimes it gets freaky when you go out there and stand for for the Lord in a public space, right? But they're willing to. All right, Lord, I'm willing to be crucified for you. I'm willing to take the shots, right? I'm willing to go do this. And then you see the courage of one. And then it starts to illuminate light in others. And then all of a sudden you have pastors coming going, how are you guys doing that? What's going on here? How did you guys do that? Right? But I can be honest, probably those same pastors for about the first couple of years were like, what the flip are they doing? That's crazy. Why are they doing that? It's a stupid fight to get involved in. We need to focus on the gospel. Then the fruit happens. They're like, holy smokes, how'd you do it? Right? It was denying ourselves. Mm -hmm. It was being crucified publicly for the world to see. But then after a crucifixion is always a resurrection, Christ. Always. When you deny yourself, he begins to resurrect in you. When you deny yourself and you take up your cross, he resurrects in you. The spirit of God can now operate through you because you no longer exist. It is not about you. I am crucified. What is that song we were singing on Wednesday night? It's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. It's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. I've been born again. My heart is free, right? It's, it's, can we truly say that from our hearts to say, you know, we're willing to stand and take the shots because it's not about the shots. It's about righteousness, right? right. It's about us. It's about us going out there and doing what no one else is doing. I remember when we first started self-evident, you were here, dude, <laughs> talking about God was so difficult because everybody else was talking about the left. And the yep. left, and the left. And why aren't you talking about Trump and the left and the left? We're like, no, it's about God. You're, we're focused on this, right? And just now, all of a sudden, all these faith groups started popping up, right? And it's like, all right, Lord. But I know that our heart was always not about right and left. It was about the Lord. It just so happens that the, the right aligns with some of our, most of our values. So I'm obviously on the right, duh. You know, I'm a conservative. But I don't agree with everything in the Republican platform, or the, I'm sorry, the Republican Party. I don't agree with everything, but there are some things, most things that I align with. It's like, okay, so I'm going to fight with them because, hey, they're, they're worth fighting for. But so the left is worth fighting for, too. And if we lose focus that they're souls, we've lost the battle for America. And that, the, the left is souls. And, and that's what changes your perspective, because if you other people... You can you can create an enemy out of them, right? We we generalize the other side. We create them as a whole group, and then we go after that group and we try to kill the enemy, right? But if yeah. you step back and you realize those are individual souls, your perspective can change in how you're approaching those people. And I think this is a great time for Perfect. us, amen, dude. as Christians. Come on, dude. I know where you're going to to move forward. Come on and start presenting christ in the way that will transform the nation we can do away with all these political arguments Ooh. of like oh it's this guy it's that guy it's not that guy that guy's doing that i get it we're with you we see the crap going on <laughs> we actually do we we 
we talk a lot about the crap, but you notice on our podcast, what we try to do is point, okay, how do we become better Christians? Yep. And how do we bring Christ to the territory? How do we bring Christ to each sphere? And one of the things that we are announcing today, ooh, on August 8th, and, and join us in this, we are going to do a day of prayer and fasting. Now, you may say, oh, that's what's that going to do? If that's your heart, you need to do this. No, you don't understand prayer and fasting. You need to do this. You don't understand prayer and fasting if that's your heart. Because some people will say, oh, God, geez, another keep day it of up. prayer keep, and fasting. Keep that, keep that graphic up, would you? Some people will say that. Here's the question. Are you willing to humble yourself? This whole conversation has been, are you willing to humble yourself and consecrate yourself before the Lord? It is very easy for us to say, well, that won't do anything. You have just presented your level of faith. And if I'm convicting some people, good. Because maybe it's time to become introspective and go, how am I actually going to look at this process? Am I going to trust the God of heaven? And I'm, am I going to do my part to consecrate myself? Because, Lord, I'm crying out to you for my nation. I am telling you it is much easier for you to get online and start complaining about this guy or that guy. And that does nothing for you. It really doesn't. But here's, here's, the, here's the unique thing about fasting and prayer, uh, what we're going to do, because we're going to do this monthly. Um, and, and I think that's, that's really where the, the change for us is going to be. There was a lady who listens to us and she said, she had a vision. Um, she said, I really feel like the Lord told me this, that we're going to have these, you know, kind of times of prayer where other people could come in and join in the prayer. So we're going to try to work that out on like a zoom or maybe on restream where we have a live and where people can pop in and out, uh, and pray and stuff like that. So for us, you know, we, we, we have a, we have a, What's the word? We, we, we don't have another choice. Like our choices are done. We have proven throughout history, especially within the last 10 years, it's not about who can be elected because that can be all messed up, right? Uh, the media obviously is, is cattywampus at best, right? The, 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 the right is going to write, the left is going to left. Um, <clears throat> the lies that are promulgated, uh, you, the fact that a, a movie like The Sound of Freedom can be uh, disregarded by the media and, and thrown in a spotlight of uh, basically how dare they do this and, and your QAnon supporters and all these other things. And look, we've kind of exhausted every option we have now, and we need the God of heaven. I don't, I don't want, guys, hear from us. I don't want a method anymore. I want God to move now. And that sounds so, uh, to the flesh, that sounds so counterproductive as far as it just sounds like you're giving up. Like you're just, that's an easy way out. No, no. Because when we fast and pray, God will give us the directive to do. Amen. And that's when we start to move. And so I'm not saying other groups don't fast and pray. That is not what we're saying here. What we're saying is you who listen with us, you who are rocking with us, you who are with us, help us fast and pray. We are going to do this together. And I'm telling you, Samuel Adams quote comes to mind when he says, it doesn't take a majority to prevail, but rather an irate, tireless minority keen on setting brush fires of freedom in the minds of men. It's not about a majority. It's not about how many people we can get to fast and pray. It's about those 7,000 that didn't bow the knee to Baal. It's about those few in number who God used with Gideon, right, to, to go out and defeat. It's about one Moses standing up against Pharaoh, one Aaron. It's about 
one David who slew a Goliath, right? And I know that's a that's an that's a Christophany, it's a Christ analogy, but it's about one Goliath who can stand against a or one fair David who can stand against a Goliath. But when they win, it puts the confidence of the spirit in the others to go fight, right? So it may take us to fight and stand and pray, but it'll put it in others to do the same. And even if you're not Christian, join us in prayer and fasting. Maybe you're not sure about God. You you, you haven't become a Christian. That's okay. And for those of you who are Christians, you're like, yeah, well, that that won't work. Let's go to Jonah. Do you think the Assyrian nation, the the city of Nineveh, was a bunch of Christian or a bunch of, of God-fearing people, Jews? Yet when Jonah comes and Jonah gives the word of destruction is coming your way, they put on sackcloth and ashes and they start fasting and they're lamenting. Yeah. They're repenting. They're remorseful. Yep. And it changes God's heart. Truth. So to the Christians... There is something about a person who is not even a Christian going, uh, I don't like where this is going, and there's something to this. I'm going to humble myself. Yep, 100%. God loves a humble and contrite, Bingo. contrite heart. Bingo. If you don't mind, I'm going to read the prayer from the Congress in 1774, and I want you to sure. hear the heart. And it's not the whole prayer. I'm just going to read parts of it. But listen to this. This is one of the paragraphs. Oh, Lord, our Heavenly Father, high and mighty, King of kings and Lord of lords, who does from thy throne behold all the dwellers of the earth and reigns with power supreme and uncontrolled over all kingdoms, empires, and governments. Just listen to that intro. You reign over all this crap. You see all the evil? You reign over it, though. And he's waiting for us to do something. He said, look down in mercy. We are begging you on these American states who have fled to you from the rod of the oppressor and have thrown thyselves on thy gracious protection desiring henceforth to be dependent only on thee. To thee have they appealed for the righteousness of their cause. To thee do they not look up for that countenance and support, which thou alone only can give, right? Well, watch this. Then he says this over our founders. This is Duche. Take them, therefore, Heavenly Father, under thy nurturing care. Give them wisdom in counsel and valor in the field. Defeat the malicious design of our cruel adversaries. See, they're in design. We're independence. The left and the, the, the crazy folk and the satanic, they're in design. They're trying to design against us. We are independence of God, right? And then it says this. He said, this is where my heart turned, where it wasn't about the left. It was about souls. This was about if we win this, and we will in Jesus' name, we have to preach the gospel to these guys, right? And we should be doing it anyways. And then he says this right in the middle of the prayer. Convince them, our adversaries, of the unrighteousness of their cause. Lord, turn their hearts. Turn their hearts right now that they might be convinced that this is unrighteous. Turn the hearts of the transgender movement, Father, and these that are promulgating this. Turn the hearts of those who are for this Antifa junk and this BLM stuff that this creates division. That, Lord, they would see you, Father, who created them to bring unity in life, right? Instead of all this divisive stuff. And then he says this, if they persist in their purpose, O oh Lord, let the voice of thine own unerring justice sound in their hearts and constrain them to drop their weapons of war from their unnerved hands in the day of battle. What could Pharaoh's army do when they saw the water crashing down on them? Oh, crap. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? What could they do? They were up against something they couldn't even defeat. And I want you all to know something. You know how I know we're not done yet? 
You don't want to know how I know that? Because they are but mere men. And we have the God of heaven. We are more than that. We are more than conquerors. We're not just conquerors. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us, the Bible says. You see what I'm saying? What we're facing is mere man, mere demonic oppression. They have power, but they don't have authority. Pastor Todd preached on this about the, the weapons of our warfare. They, have, they don't have authority. He does. Mm -hmm. And then he says in 1 Corinthians that he gave us all these things for the benefit of the church, that all authority was given for the benefit of the church. That is the duty of the church. Therefore, we serve the God who has all authority over all things, and we're not willing to fast and pray and go to him for this? We don't have a choice no more, y'all. It's time for us to humble ourselves, shut our mouths, and ask God, what's up? And Lord, convince them of the unrighteousness of their cause, but first convince me of my unrighteousness. Cleanse me first. Then convince them, and Lord, if they want to persist in it, have them drop their weapons in the midst of battle because we don't want to come against them in anger. We want to show them your love and why you purposed them and created them. Will, will some go to, yes, some will not be saved, but many will. And we have a job to do. And that's the heart of the Christian. That's the right. heart of Christ. So August 8th, we are asking you to join us in a day of prayer and fasting. Mark your calendars, get ready. It's a single day. You can do it. And you may just find that you're going you're gonna to have an encounter with the Lord. You're going to learn something. You're, you're going to see something about yourself that the Lord brings to mind, brings to your heart. Ooh, Lord, I need to consecrate that. So join us. Meanwhile, this is the Self-Evident Podcast. Special shout out to our Rumble people. Uh, Rumble was hopping, so we love you guys. Be sure to follow comments uh we're here for you we got it up and running we're good uh so those of you on the other platforms if you want to move over to rumble we're there you can find us there's several other platforms i'm starting to see some really cool ones yeah it's like we might as well yeah because i mean if, you play know, the game you know how it is yeah the sensors and the you know yeah. what they're doing to robert kennedy right now oh my god this is insane we'll be talking about robert kennedy soon. we will be actually look out for that podcast we're going to be doing like who is vivek yeah, who I want to do him. Who is Robert Kennedy I, I Jr.? Like cover him. Yeah. <laughs> who is Nikki Haley for real? What's the beef with DeSantis and Trump? We're going to be covering all those topics and more from a biblical, uh, constitutional maybe perspective. I mean, I don't know if you can really. Yeah, I mean, you can because of what their platform is, but also mm -hmm. too like common sense, right? Don't just believe the media. Go do your own homework and research, right? So we love you guys. Thank you so much. Again, remember August 8th, join us in prayer and fasting. Set it on your calendars. Mark it down. Be a part of this thing. Um, and we are doing this in the righteousness of God. We don't have a choice. We just don't have a choice. That's why I know we're not over because the Lord's putting this on our heart now. Absolutely. Why? If we didn't have, if we weren't going to do this thing with him, why put it on my heart? Might as well just right. wait for the Lord. No, we're going to fast and pray that he would move on the souls of men. So we love you guys. Again, thank you for sharing this on uh, all the platforms. We love you guys. We will see you Monday. Yep. Love you guys. Have Bye. a good day.